I'm Agni Petro, and you're listening to Stick and Rink Radio. Was he slow? No, 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 no. Good, good, good. Devil behind the wheel. Was he slow? Retarded means slow. Was he slow? No, no, no. What the hell else more do you need to know? Yo, you're listening. The CHLY 1017 FM Stick in Rink Radio, baby. And it ain't slow, I'll tell you that. No. And uh, we're rewarding our listeners with that little uh, inside joke. Yeah, absolutely. Big shout out to the movie Baby Driver, though. Great soundtrack. Yeah. Great original music. Um, actually, Sometimes a little bit slow. But... This one is definitely original, but in all seriousness, the soundtrack to that movie is unbelievable. Oh, it is amazing. Because the only times in that movie that uh, the music's not playing and the soundtrack, it goes down in order. There's like 20 odd songs is when uh, the character who has tinnitus has his headphones out because throughout the whole movie, he has to have headphones in to keep uh, well to, to keep out the ringing that he has as a result of, t- of the tinnitus. And um, yeah, so it's really cool how the director did that where wherever his headphones are out, were out, there was no music. And if there was only one in, they would you know muffle the music a little bit or be quieter. So I really enjoyed that movie. So we're giving some pub to baby driver but hey this is hey no station. it's it's worth checking out it really is we gotta give our opinions you right? gotta you gotta give a little shout out every once in a while one one more thing on that movie too what i found super cool maybe this is just like and i'm not like a movie buff by any means but this was kind of something i noticed and i don't know we, we were talking about it um how just like the colors in, in the movie match too so for example like there was one scene where two characters were in a laundromat uh the woman had blonde hair and like a, a blue shirt and i think something else was like green or red and then all like the washing machines in a line in a lineup were, were those colors and then everything inside of it was like was yellow and it just all matched kind of like you know house of cards when they originally had like every scene kind of like darker and like blue and yellow schemed and i don't know those it, kind of no, things it, pop out and you pointed out a few times you know when the songs were playing they worked the background scenes into the songs you know every once in a while the words of the songs appear graffiti on the side of the exactly. wall exactly very subtle things that you wouldn't notice I know, just just look at it, looking at it for uh, face value. But hey, it was it was an amazing movie and an unbelievable cast too. You know, John Hamm, Jamie Foxx. Yeah, great stuff. Kevin Spacey, like they did an outstanding job in that movie. Um, okay, there's you... there's the movie review for uh, Stick and Ring Radio. I know. I'm usually we give the 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 movie or the weather report on Stick and Ring uh, podcast. Here we're giving you our, our quick movie report on the radio show. Usually we t- usually we talk food, and I, I think we did in a little bit in hour yeah. one. Yeah, we talked a little food, and you know. It's been a while since we did the old CHLY stories, but you know those were a good time too with the cool cat, you know, amongst others. I think, I think the number one, and maybe we should do a list of like the top five Shea Chili stories mm. uh, on the twenty eighth when we're back. So, folks, book July twenty eighth. That's that's a sub poll right there. Oh, that is. Maybe maybe we'll do that as a sub poll. Uh, July twenty eighth, four to seven p.m. The last three hours of Stick in Rink Radio. Um, yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a sad day. It's gonna be a fun day. Two hours of hawk talk and one hour of fun. Pretty it, much. It'll be unreal though. Absolutely. Um, we're we're also live on Facebook right now, folks. Shout out Facebook Live. Make sure you check out our Facebook page at the Stick and Ring Podcast. So let's run everything down. If you're just joining us here on CHLY 1017 for Stick and Rink Radio, Vancouver Island's best hockey talk show. We have to run down a few things. Uh, first of all, if you've if, you, if you've been joining us for the full three hours, thank you so much, listeners. We really appreciate it. Um, give us a call, 1-855-740-1017. If you want to win a prize, give us your hockey take. Um, maybe dig into us for something that we brought up here on the show. Anything related to show, sports, lifestyle, you name it. You scream Arby, we'll give you two prizes. Um, we have so much stuff to give away because, like Dylan said, we're... Uh, 
We almost have too much stuff. Well, we're ending the show soon, so we have a surplus of, of prizes, a few unclaimed. We want to give them all away, so we have a couple hoodies. We have a BC Lions small jersey. We have a sweater, and I know it's getting too hot for hoodies and sweaters, so we also have two Tim Hortons gift cards, $10 Tim Hortons gift cards. Shout out the Victoria Royals. Thanks for that. And here's a little teaser, folks. I've heard through the grapevine that Lyndon Wood from the hood might be joining us in studio. Oh. Now, I'm not going to make any promises, but I've heard through the grapevine. Also no, through the Facebook Live video. I'm producing you. You didn't tell me that. I'm telling you right now. No, there you go. I guess he's, I, he's on his way. Sometimes you got to do it live. You got to do it live, folks. Um. So, yes, jump on our poll question as well. Jump on it. At Stick and Rink Pod. We have a names of the game poll question that we do that we just uh, that we just posted prior to coming on air, and we also have our stick in ring C H L Y weekly poll question. Dylan, you want to quickly run that down before we get in to the Canucks weekly wrap up and close out the show by bringing Doug Bodger on. All right, folks, the weekly poll question, which again you can find on our Twitter page at Stick in Rink Pod. The question is straight up: Who will win the NHL offseason this year? Write-ins are encouraged, but the options we've given you are the Vancouver Canucks, the Arizona Coyotes, the Dallas Stars, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right now, the Vancouver Canucks leading with 62%. That's right, 62%. A little bit surprising in my books. I'm very surprised, to be honest. I I can't believe it. I'm actually shocked. I'm quite shocked. And you we know, clearly we, have a lot of Canucks fans who listen. We've had some pretty good reception. This is this poll has only been up since we started the show. We're, we're hitting over 50 uh, votes. We're, we're heading into 100. What, what's going on in the back? What a we got little Paul Abdul straight up. Oh, I love it. So straight up now, tell me. Straight up, tell me. Tell me, baby. So uh, I'm just going to let this run a little bit. So it's one of those bangers and tangers as we just quickly run down. Uh, the so the kids question. in the street are playing. In hour two, and if you uh, if you missed any part of hour two or hour one, you can download the podcast after the show, um, after we get off air here, actually. We kind of thought that collectively the Dallas Stars have won, at this time anyways, the, the offseason. And, you know, with the acquiring of scoring, which is what they needed. I mean, they scored less goals than the Vancouver Canucks last season. There can be a strong argument for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But I love the writing. So let's quickly shout them out because we love our interaction here on the show. And then, uh, and then we'll move into the Canucks weekly wrap-up. Um, and I think we're going to squeeze in a, a Globe Darton segment in here too, aren't we? Oh, how is that for a teaser? Globe Darton? We haven't seen Globe Darton for a little while. <clears throat> All right, they're write-ins this week, though. Uh, we had Derek Rebel, actually. You fans know Derek Rebel. He chimed in. He said he initially voted for Dallas, but after listening to us talk about the New York Rangers on air, he's flipping his vote, and he's saying the Rangers. They have had a, a tremendous offseason, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Legla underscore Noir on Twitter, he chimes in saying potentially the Florida Panthers for the simple fact that they added a top-end goaltender. He also well, looks... Joel at, Quenville, too. Joel Quenville. You that, can't overlook that. No, definitely not. He's, he's a huge addition. He's also mentioning uh, the New Jersey Devils and the New York Rangers we, we talked about this earlier in the show. We kind of overlooked the New York Rangers adding Jacob Truba. And I think a lot of people are because, you know, everything that happened on free agency and this trade happened a couple days before. Um, so, yeah, the New York Rangers really adding some great pieces. And also at SSB and a string of like 12 numbers says the Avs. Ooh. I'm not going to read out the numbers because you won't remember it, folks. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I guess I guess the Avs, but just because of... Hey, they added Burakovsky, you know, another secondary piece. Yeah, I, I suppose. I just don't think that the team's going to be particularly better next season. However, 
I don't think they're going to be worse. In my eyes, to be quite honest with you, I don't think they won that Toronto trade. I think they didn't get worse because of that trade, but I, I don't think they improved their team. On ice, I don't think they improved. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree there. But I still think they're a, a playoff team in the West, barring, you know, Dallas just doesn't have an... Uh, barring Dallas has an incredible season because, like I said, I really think that the Pavelski is going to help them a lot. Though he's, though he's a little long in the tooth, he's still a proven goal scorer. But thank you to everybody who has uh, written in and given your suggestions. Folks, we really want some phone calls, though. If you have Nothing. a team that you think is going to win this offseason, give us a call. Let us know who that is at 250-740-1017 or toll-free at 1-855-740-1017. We will give you a prize. Absolutely. Um, so we've gone through the poll question. What, what else are we missing here? Did, oh, yes, the Hockey Podcast Network. The Hockey Podcast Network. So if you're just tuning in and if you haven't been, or you haven't caught up with uh, the Sticker Rink Podcast, uh, let's just talk like 30 seconds or less about what we're doing with the Hockey Podcast Network. All right, folks, this upcoming October, we will be launching the Hockey Podcast Network. That's a network where you can find a podcast for every NHL market. We release two episodes every week. The episodes are between 30 and 45 minutes. Again, Every NHL market has a show on, on our network. If you're a fan of the Predators, you have a show. If you're a fan of the Panthers, you got a show. A fan of the Stars, you got a show. The we Minnesota got Wild has to take Soda Pod. You got it all, folks. So make sure you follow at HockeyPodNet on Twitter. We have some amazing giveaways on that Twitter page. You're going to want to tune into that. And yes, it's super exciting. We're going to be launching in October. Isha and myself, we're going to be covering the Minnesota Wild. Super pumped on that, ladies and gentlemen. So if you have Twitter, go follow at HockeyPodNet for uh, summer giveaways and all the information. Okay, we've gone through all the housekeeping notes. Let's dive in to the Canucks weekly wrap-up. 13 playoff games. Thank you, everybody, tuning in on CHLY 101.7 FM and CHLY.ca for Stick in Brink Radio. We've saved the best for last. It's getting steamy in this studio because, oh, it's been hot this, you know, th this July. It's almost like muggy Ontario weather. And let me tell you, Dylan and I are feeling it in the studio. So we're going to we're gonna, we're gonna channel some of that and we're going to give some hot takes and uh, kind of fire back from our perspective. At Canucks Twitter. Isha, it's, you know, it's been another off-season in Canucks land, and it's just the negativity that swirls around this franchise whenever the front office makes any moves. I'll be honest, any moves that they make has negativity surrounding it, and I'm getting a little bit sick of it. Just like, picking it apart, looking for the negatives. Exactly. I mean, Like J.D. Burke going on who on, on local radio, who J.D. Burke, he's, he's a gifted writer, and no, nothing against him at all. He's working for Elite Prospects. He's worked for... He was an editor-in-chief for uh, uh, the Canucks Army. You know, his credentials go down. I think he's worked with the Athletic, He's a great ham sandwich. Yeah, and, and uh, I've actually heard very good things about his ham sandwich. Him, you know, he's one of those who 
again, like these people who I've been arguing with on Twitter lately, um, just want to pick apart everything. Like, tweet about the Michael Furland deal and say he's overpaid. Uh, like, man, he's is he really? And did you tweeted, have to get into that? They're complaining that some of these stats guys are coming out saying Michael Furland's overpaid by $500,000 or $400,000. Are you kidding me? At the end of the day, that's what we're complaining about here is a top six guy who's only making $3.5 million and we're complaining that he's overpaid by, you know, three to $500,000. By a rookie deal. Are you, are you, kid, <laughs> are you kidding me? Uh, come on. Huh. This, the, the Michael Furland deal, in my opinion, we, we said it on the show in the first hour, the four o'clock hour, it was a great signing, in my opinion. We added some grit to the to the front end. We added some talent. I mean, Michael Ferland's a guy who can put in 20 goals um, if he's playing in the top six. We added speed. We added a guy who could fight. We added so much for $3.5 million. Yeah, uh, I absolutely agree. So to start off this Canucks weekly wrap-up, yes, we're fired up like this studio's fired up, like Shane and Lyndon are fired up on Facebook Live. How are you? Let's recap first. The Vancouver Canucks off-season moves and what moves are still needed to be made before, you know, the, the beginning of the season, before even re-signing the likes of Brock Besser. And then we'll dive into a, an example of what we're dealing with, not only from the mouthpiece of Canucks Twitter, but from those higher up in the hockey world, those the hockey writers um, who, who are, let's be honest, for the most part, I, I respect, but in this case, not so much. So, let, let's start off with the recap, Dylan, and uh, where would you like to kick kick things off here? Well, we're going to have to start with Tyler Myers, the biggest signing of the offseason. I mean, he is a, the elephant in every room, it seems like. <laughs> he really is. Based doesn't, on size alone. <laughs> doesn't matter what room that guy walks into, you're right. He's going to be the elephant in the room, but he signed a contract for five years, $6 million per season with the Vancouver Canucks. At the end of the day, before Tyler Myers signed this contract, it was fairly well known that the Vancouver Canucks were the front runners. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like a natural fit. The rumors coming out before he signed this deal were an eight by eight, eight million dollars over eight years, or seven by seven. The, from the, Sportsnet, by the way, six fifty from Sportsnet. Yeah. So there are dollar amounts coming out that were above seven million dollars. And at the end of the day, the Vancouver Canucks were able to sign Tyler Myers, who, in my opinion, was you know. Maybe not the best, but in the top three defensemen of this free agent market. And they're able to get him for $6 million. I mean, uh, Isha, you've brought it up before on the show. He made 5.5 last year. Exactly. His last contract, he made an AAV of uh, $5 million and $500,000. So he's getting a raise of under a million dollars. And in my opinion, that's not a hefty price to pay. On top of it, it's a five-year contract. It's not seven. It's not seven. It, you know, it's not even the old Louis Erickson six by six. We got him for five years, and I think he's going to be more than useful by the end of this contract. Well, look, we're looking at um, the likes of Alex Edler playing into his late 30s, and he's arguably still the best defender on the Vancouver Canucks roster. Now, I think overall, you know, you know, at the end of both of their careers, Alex Edler is the more decorated defender. But my point is, they're both big guys. Yeah, Tyler Myers is a monster in comparison, but you know what I mean? They play that big style. They both like to shoot the puck, and they both have a little bit of offensive flair to their game. I mean, you, you can compare the games of, you know, Tyler Myers and, and Alex Edler, no? Oh, absolutely. And I, I think they do fill in somewhat the same role, and I think that's... That's really great for the Canucks because you can have two defensive pairings that you can rely on. They're two 30 to 40 point defenders who maybe like to think they have more offensive upside than they actually do, but who can, you know, muck it up with the best of them. 
not not to say that that Edler fights, but he throws his body around. You know, he's a mean sob at times. Um, Edler likes to park himself in front of the net, where Tyler Myers likes to skate a little bit more, and. They have a similar downside. No, I'm not going to say breaking sticks because I actually don't know how many <laughs> sticks Tyler Myers breaks, Dylan. But they both, though though Tyler Myers is fast and though Edler was pretty fast in his career, they both can be out pretty easily because of their, their north-south game. Their lateral right. movement's not that great. Hudson Barrow. Hudson Barrow. But but that's kind of that's kind of it. Other than that, they're, like you said, they're, they fill similar roles. And in that case, Alex Edler's going to retire you know, in two years. Tyler Myers is going to take his place as that veteran. He's going to be the new Alex Edler on this team. Yeah, yeah, and just like Tanev's the Hamhuis right he'll, now. He'll probably end up being the new whipping boy too at that point. Oh, uh, he's going to be the whipping boy. Half, you know, when he doesn't get thirty points at the end of this and season, it's, it's sad. But he's going to get twenty-seven, and uh, yeah, they're going to. JD Burke's going to rip him a new one. He's going to be ripping Jimbo Slice a new one. But who isn't though? At the end of the day, you know, if you look at the Vancouver Canucks back end, you know, they lost Ben Hutton. You know, um, which okay, which okay, Honestly, fine. Who cares? But, you know, you look at the rest of the squad, and yet they needed to add somebody. If they didn't add a top-four defenseman, this defense going into next season was looking really shaky. And then you add one or two injuries on top of that. St. Alex Edler gets injured for 40 games, which is Who's not— going to play those minutes? Which is not unlikely. Alex Edler's been injured for long periods before. Like, exactly. Who's going to play those minutes? Tanev, too. I know they play a different style of game. But, but they're still eating top, minutes. Yeah, Tanev's a top-four defender— for the Vancouver Canucks. And, you know, we're trying to shelter guys like a Quinn Hughes. But at that point, you can't shelter them because you have to throw them to the Wolves. You have to say, okay, well, there's, you know, our top two guys are injured. You're going to have to step into that role. Well, look at, and I love Troy Stetcher, but he played over 20 minutes a night. And he shouldn't be. No, he can. And in my opinion, he's a top four guy, 100%. But give him reasonable, min- reasonable minutes because he's not as big as the average player in the National Hockey League. Not to say that he even tires out mid-game. I'm just saying... And maybe the numbers don't even back this up analytically. But from the eye test, I mean, this kid takes a beating because he goes into the corners hard. He shouldn't be playing them those many minutes. And Ben Hutton last year, who he's he's a six at best. I mean, he yes, he can no. put up points, but they're mostly secondary points, if I'm not mistaken. And he was playing as high as 23 minutes because that's how depleted the Vancouver Canucks defense was last season because there's nothing, there's nothing that can fill a similar role. And as an Alex Edler, for example. And if you're the Vancouver Canucks, looking at your depth chart too, you know, adding a Myers for the next five years is is extremely important because let's be honest, who are the defensive prospects for the Vancouver Canucks? Who else do we have in the pipeline to come up and take those spots? The, there's no one. There, no, there's Quinn right. Hughes, and then you know Guillaume Breeze. May, maybe we pick up one or two guys who can fill in a depth role, but that's about it. We needed a top four defenseman from somewhere. We did it on the free agent market, and in my opinion, as far as an overpayment goes, I don't think it was an overpayment as far as July 1st goes at the no. end of the day. No, it wasn't. I mean, you want to go back to Kevin Hayes? I think it's market value. I know they're both, like, they play different positions, but... Who are you taking, Kevin Hayes at 7 or Myers at 6? Exactly. Who's more valuable to your team? A top four defender, and I, I know the analytic community is saying he's a 6 at best. I'm sorry, he's not... I don't care, because that's the only part of your argument. You're not. I don't believe they're bringing anything else into the equation. No, they're not. And to say Tyler Myers is a six at best, you're not watching hockey. You're you're looking at stats and numbers, and you're trying to build a narrative that goes along with your stats. But you're not watching the game. There's a, there's a, I'm sorry, you're just there not. There was this guy 
on Twitter who there, there's something wrong with him because he was saying that uh, Ben Hutton is arguably as good of a defender or better than Tyler Myers. Like, um, are you smoking crack? Like, might be. Are, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's it's insane. And it's like I said, it seems to be just this cloud of negative negativity that follows every single move that this front end makes. And it's uh, it, it's getting to the point where it's just insane. And, you know, Canucks Twitter is clouded with insanity right now. It seems like people are divided, not necessarily pro-Benning. Jim Benning, general manager of the Vancouver Canucks. Jimbo Slice. Jimbo Slice, as we refer to him here on Stick and Rink. It's not that they're divided pro and against Benning. Because we're not necessarily pro-Benning, but we're not necessarily against him. We, we critique all his moves. And just overall, I'd say that this regime has kind of failed to rebuild the team and failed to win. But they have acquired a thin core, but a core that you can run with in the National Hockey League. What the hell else are you going to do but sign free agents to decent deals and make trades that aren't going to realistically impact the team in the next two years? You know, like, let's talk about that draft pick for a second. Yeah, the, the draft you brought pick up such a good point. that we gave up for JT Miller. So we've, you know, acquired JT Miller in exchange for a conditional first round draft pick. JT Miller is going to come on this team and add 20 goals and play in our top six. So will Michael Furland and Tyler Myers is going to jump into our top All four big minute guys. All big minute guys. And that's going to translate <laughs> into a better season for the Vancouver Canucks. It might even translate into, a, into an appearance in the playoffs. Now at that point, when you're in the playoffs, are you that worried about your first round draft pick? Is that your first concern? Especially when you look at this team and consider we got to start getting competitive in the next two, three years. That draft pick that's either picked in 2020 or 2021 will not be stepping on the ice for the Vancouver Canucks until 2024, maybe. Maybe 2025. And that's when the player makes an entrance as a rookie. So you're you're looking at an impact player at 2026. The time is now for the Vancouver Canucks. They can't wait around for 2026 for a maybe. I don't even think that player is coming in at 2024, 2025, especially if it's a college player. They're playing their two-year college or one-year yep. college. They're playing in the A. Like, do you really? Think, and that's the norm now. Yeah, it's. I mean, sure, you can nail it out of the park in Elias Pettersson, for example, uh, a Brock Besser. But Brock Besser, he played two years of college. Yeah, he did. So, you know, at the end of the day, oh, I pull my hair out, Dylan. You know. Vancouver Canucks fans, I, I hear it overwhelmingly. They're saying, you know, this team has been, you know, one of the worst teams in the last four years. There's no chance they're going to compete. Why are you giving giving away first-round draft picks? Well, you have to step out of the basement at some point. We, we can't just stay a losing team for 10 years, hoping like hell you get, get that first overall pick one day. I'm sorry, that first overall pick, the closest... The closest that the Vancouver Canucks are going to get to him, that's Elias Pettersson. you got a top center. Exactly. And let's be honest, a first overall pick does does not save a franchise. It's Oh, uh, Neil it, Yakupov, hello. I mean, even when you get the best, best player in the world with a first overall pick in Connor McDavid, your team might not make the playoffs. Sidney so, Crosby didn't make the playoffs this first year with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Exactly. And why did teams like Pittsburgh win? It's because they brought in other pieces around those young guys. They solidified their team that way. you know. And there were transition years. We've talked about it before where it seems like people are expecting rebuild one year and the next year something magical will happen and now we're in the playoffs they don't understand that it takes a couple years 
Ups of, and downs like New Jersey, Ups right? and downs, maybe making the playoffs one year, maybe missing it the second, missing it by a few points. It, it, it takes those growing pains to build a team. It doesn't just happen at the snap of a finger. Do people not forget, like, you know, 2004, 2005 to 2011? Like, Ex- when, when the exactly city transitioned into being the, the, the top players, and when Burroughs and Kessler came up, though not, not all those years went by smoothly. There were some, you know... Dodgy first round exits at best. There were absolutely. Shout out Brandon Hobbs. No, it's that's a that's a great that's a great example of it. And you know, I, I think some people just don't really realize that it, it's it takes time. Bust, like yeah, no, it's it seems ridiculous. And you know, at the end of the day, I I'm happy with all the moves Jim Benning made over over this offseason. <laughs> you know, he added two top six forwards and a top four defenseman. That that takes a lot of work. That's not an easy thing to do in one offseason. Well, people are saying that Jim Benning has handcuffed this team now moving forward because if he gets fired, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that need to be addressed. Okay, fine argument, but are you kidding me? Compared to what Mike Gillis left him, yes, he's no star GM. He's not. And Dylan and I, hell, he's in our intro. We kind of poke fun at him. He's a quirky <laughs> GM, but he's built a decent core. Now, is it something like the Rangers or? Uh, the new the New Jersey Devils, no, it's not. But it's pretty damn good. And let's see what these guys can do. They're still on ELCs. They're still on entry level contracts. And people are saying you're wasting the entry level contracts. Is he? He just brought in two, like you said, top six forwards and a top four defender. He's wasting their ELCs. Are you kidding me? And we're seeing it more and more. Teams with success are are taking advantage of those ELCs. They're saying, you know what? We have this great young player who is dominating to a certain extent. You know, a Patterson putting up 70 points. This guy should be worth eight, nine million dollars, but he's on an ELC. We don't have to pay him that much. That's the point when you got to solidify around him because you can add more money. You can add more points that way. Absolutely. Um. So let's dive into some of the other free agent acquisitions and some moves that the Vancouver Canucks made. We we talked about the trade. We talked about Tyler Myers. When we're talking about the defense, Dylan was saying how there was no next man up when uh when Edler got injured, when Tanev got injured, there was no one left. Jim Benning gone, uh, went out and acquired Victoria Native. Played for the Salsa, the Grizzlies. Oh, man. Developed in, uh, I believe it was the Sydney area. Played for the Peninsula Panthers, too. How are you, Pete? Uh, Jordy Ben, a two-year deal at $4 million. We've talked about that before. And I think this is such a good deal to solidify the defense. Uh, Oscar Fantenberg as well. And as we bring on Lyndon Wood from the Hoods joining us in studio. I know you were just watching on Facebook Live. And uh, we just, uh, Dylan, I was just talking about Jamie Ben and how Jim Benning also made an outstanding move to acquire Jamie Jamie Ben so that... If Jordy. The, Jordy Ben, sorry. That would have been an amazing move, uh, Jamie Ben. Jordy Ben, the younger of Ben's, uh, on defense. So that when, uh, when, when the defense does get injured, there is a next man up now. And to further add depth, he added Oscar Fantenberg, who had a cup of coffee with the uh, the Calgary Flames. So uh, how's it going, boys? You're back here. You left, uh, you, Dylan, you let uh, Lyndon in studio. Like I said, you were, you were just... Uh, He's coming straight from the hood. You were just in the hood, just on Facebook Live. I mean, quickly, can you give us a couple thoughts on Oscar Fantenberg? He was a good player for the Flames for that cup of coffee he was with us. Uh, well, was it a Van Hoot cup of coffee, though? <laughs> I think it's a 7-Eleven cup of coffee, guys. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he was uh he played top six minutes for us, uh, and he took over for uh, uh, Shillington. And yeah, that's right. right. 
And yeah, he, he played some good minutes over uh, Shillington, and a lot of Flames fans were uh, unhappy about that. But yeah, the, that was a good depth picked up from the Canucks. So, Lyndon, how you doing today, buddy? I feel... Just threw him right into the fire. Just threw him right in the fire. But I had a good segue. Hey, no, it did, absolutely. Help yourself some chocolates here, bud. Oh, <laughs> yeah, tremendous. We've been we got snacking on the ball. Spoiled. Look at that. Is that some playoff coffee right there, boys, or what? Well, that's some playoff coffee. <laughs> you know right it. There. Tremendous. I've been uh, decent, boys. Like, just loving life, loving this nice weather we're having. Walking around beautiful Nanaimo. That's what gosh I like to darn, hear. Gosh darn, boys. I like your jersey. You a Seattle Seahawks fan? <sighs> I got this for free, so... <laughs> <laughs> I got that for free. Nice pickup for free. Oh, yeah, bud. I know you got. You I think win this stuff. guy actually won a, a Calgary Flames jersey for free as well. Oh yeah, yes, he's repping the Flames hat. Flames I love hat. It. Also won a uh, Canucks jersey back when I was in high school too. Oh yeah, <laughs> this guy's just a winning machine. Oh yeah, right. bud. Uh, we got to cover a couple more things here. We, we want to have time to bring on Doug Bodger. Talk about another former Vancouver Islander. Like great, Jordan great ben. summer guy. Oh, great summer and uh, winter guy. Christmas guy. He uh, loves those Christmas breaks. He likes some of the. He likes to have a good time and enjoy. Uh, the beautiful Cowichan Valley. So we've been just recapping the off-season moves of the Vancouver Canucks, and uh, and Dylan and I have just been getting a little heated here talking about it. Uh, oh, we're pissed. Qu- quickly, before we get to this tweet that kind of kind of explains it all in regards to our frustrations, um, what moves do the Vancouver Canucks have to have to make before signing Brock Besser? I believe they only have what five six million dollars left in cap space. Yeah, I think they have around five million in space, and I think the obvious guy you want to look at is Louis Erickson. But it's going to be tough to oh, move that contract. So hard. It's so tough. You you might have to give up some sort of asset just to move out that contract. Another Jake guy to... Jake Vertanen, maybe? A, a Jake Vertanen, maybe some sort of draft pick. Who knows? I mean, the, the fans would riot if that happened, giving up a draft pick of Louis Erickson. No, it have to. He could not be a draft pick. Uh, Brandon Sutter, you know, another guy getting north of $4 million who might be playing, you know, a third, fourth-line role for the Vancouver Canucks. I don't know if that's quite worth it. I mean... There's just a lot of players in the bottom six, I think, that could be cleared up for the Vancouver Canucks. Sutter has two years left on his deal, and if he can, because he was injury riddled last year, so right. his, his points, you know, didn't reflect, you know, his play because he didn't play a lot. However, if he can get up to just even like a twenty to thirty point pace, Canucks retain a million dollars. Bing bang boom, you finally got him off your 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 books for. The I next think that's two doable. Years. And if they really want to pinch pennies. They could throw Louis Erickson in the minors, and yeah, I know they're only gonna—it's only gonna take off a million mm-hmm. from his cap, but five million dollars—it's better than six, especially when you're doing nothing, anyways. No, exactly. So, you know, there's other guys that are are overpaid. I hate to say, I hate to say Jay Beagle, but he's he's in that group. Um, you know, it's it's always narrowly overpaid. It's always tough when you're paying a fourth line guy three million dollars. Uh, but yeah, I think those are the moves that are going to have to be made before Brock Besser comes back. Tim Schaller has gone too, Tim by the Schaller's way. His agent's gone. already been public that they're trying to find a new home for Tim Schaller. Maybe even back to Boston, which is funny. And Ryan Spooner is bought out earlier as well. Yeah, yeah. So there's money on the books there as well. Um, I, I could honestly see the the likes of Tim Schaller maybe even fitting in with the Flames. Who? Cool. What do you think about that, oh. Lyndon? Who? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we got him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, another player who I think is not going to be a Vancouver Canuck next season is Nikolai Goldobin. Uh, whether they trade his rights um, or sign and trade him, there's just not enough room for him. He he doesn't have what it takes to be a top six NHL forward. And one player who I think that the Canucks could potentially get some value for if, let's say in 20 games, Sven Barchi has like 12 points. Barchi, sorry. Um, Barchi. <laughs> 
I think they could get some value for that player, whether it's a, a, a third round pick even, or just a, a swap for another serviceable player who maybe is a little bit cheaper. No, I think a team would roll the dice on a player like that. If if you have He's a- worth it with 20 goals. Like his, his cap hit at 3.6. No, exactly. And if you have a pretty good, you know, second line, let's say, and you're missing a winger, I think Sven Berchi is a good guy to fill in that gap at a really cheap price. Yeah, I heard uh, some uh, reporters from NBC and Sportsnet say that uh, perhaps even Tanner Pearson is a is a piece you can dangle because you're not necessarily going to build around this guy. No. If you can get value for him, why not? Why not? Exactly. I, I don't know how much value there is there with the Tanner well, Pearson. he came off a pretty damn good end to the season. He has pedigree, and he's at, uh, I think, he two years left at 3.7, so a very um, palatable con contract. And yeah, he's 26 years old. I mean, I'd kind of like Pearson to stay because we need top six forwards. Especially if Berchi gets injured again, but... Yeah, uh, yeah and I can see Pearson being in our top six, you know, playing along Bo Horvat, maybe JT Miller. How, how's that for a tough line to play against? That's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's going to be fun to watch this year. I'm, even, I'm, I, we even got a Calgary Flames fan in studio nodding his head. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to see him crush the Flames. Uh, send Goudreau through the glass. Oh, my God. Um... I was about to say, you guys didn't name uh, Anto Russell too. Isn't he like making 2.5 mil right now? He's making three. However, I think he was like fifth or sixth in scoring last year at just over 30 points. And he's injured until, uh, uh, was, I think it's a knee injury. He's, anyways, until he's, Christmas, essentially. Yeah, until Christmas. So, so there's no trade value there. Uh, <laughs> no, like to answer your question though, yeah, I think he's one of those players you can, you can group into the overpaid third, fourth line guys, but Roussel, I think he, he earned his contract he last year. top line minutes last I year. I would say he's he was a three million guy last year. Yeah, and I think out of all of them, that's probably the most fair contract. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, lastly, because yeah, we are running out of time and we want to we wanna bring on Doug Bodger because it was such an amazing interview. Um, this tweet kind of, like we said, just kind of brings everything home. And uh, Dylan, we, we have some words in regards to this. So, Dmitry Filipovic, like I said, I have respect for this guy. I listen to his podcast. Great stuff at uh, Dim Filipovic on Twitter. He has uh, a string of three tweets, and I'm going to read them out. The Canucks had one job this summer, and it was not to take on any significant money for the 2021-2022 uh, season and beyond when Pedersen and Hughes come up for new deals. Then they went out and committed $14.75 million for those future seasons to JT Miller, Tyler Myers, and Michael Furley. Furthermore, it's not even Jim Benning's fault. He's obviously doing everything he can to try and make the playoffs and save his job. It's just bad ownership to be in that type of short-sighted position and allow it to happen in the first place. The Canucks are definitely going to be better next season. They're also likely to be up against the cap ceiling, down a future first-round pick, and uh, competing for a fifth-round place in the worst division in hockey. The lack of business sense and asset management is something else. Now, there's a couple things that pop up to me right away, Dylan. I want to hear your thoughts quick as we have about two minutes to get into this. No, I mean, it's it's understandable, I guess, the worries about re-signing future guys, but if you think that Jim Benning won't won't make some trades when it when it comes down to keeping a Hughes and keeping a Patterson, come on, he's going to move the secondary guys out. It's or not whoever like, the manager is at that time. Exactly. It's not like he's going to say, well, all right, Hughes, well, um, you know, Roussel's got a contract in Beagle, so I guess you're the odd man out. It's not going to happen that way. Um, and, and to the last part of his tweet saying that, you know, we're competing in the worst division in hockey and this doesn't make any sense. I think it makes a lot of sense to compete right now because it's the worst division in hockey. It's a lot easier to win in the worst division in hockey than the best division. So I think right now is the right time to compete. That, that's such a that's such a great point there. And I actually had that highlighted as well. 
Sure. Uh, the only thing I really agree with in this tweet is, yeah, it's not Jim Benning's fault. And he is doing everything he can. Because as a general manager, you have to win. That's your job. Yes, rebuilding the team is important. And the Vancouver Canucks, I don't even want to say they tried because I don't know what their plan has been these last five years. You know, Jim Benning pitched that he could rebuild the team on the fly because the Sedins were still under contract. And to his credit, you know, they, they made the playoffs the first season in a week. Oh, weird. A week uh, Western Conference that year. Who would have thunk? Who would have thunk? So overall, like like we said, he's built something. Is Was it built properly? No. Is it anything like what we're seeing with the Calgary Flames now or the, the New York Rangers or the budding New York, um, uh, the New Jersey Devils rather? No, it's nothing like that. But there is a core there. I think they can compete in the National Hockey League. And if not now, when? And like you said, that first round pick, next year or the year after if they don't make the playoffs we're not going to see it till 2027 and that that's my that's my thought exactly and at the end of the day this franchise can't go through you know an entire decade of just not making the playoffs it's just unacceptable you you have to re-enter the playoffs at some point absolutely okay um that's been our canucks weekly wrap-up we've gone a little bit over time here dylan so we may have to scratch globe darting from the menu today i'm sorry as i saw you uh so you worked so hard to print that uh that Oh, globe. I'm throwing it right now then. <laughs> Alright, you know what? Just do it quickly. Screw the intro music. We globe darting. We're picking the uh the hockey destination for next week. The last episode. Or not next week, the week after. The 28th, July 28th of the stick and rink radio show. What do we got? What do we got, Dylan? Oh! We hit Paris, France, folks. Paris, France. Very nice. Very nice. Speaking of Antoine Roussel, he's not a Quebecer. He's from France. He's a real dirty Frenchman. <laughs> so there you go. Hey, we squeezed it in quick. I like that. I like that on the fly. Uh, on the fly. We'll do it live. Bit. We'll do it live on Stick and Rink Radio, baby. Thanks uh, for Lind or thanks to Lyndon for Tremendous. joining us here live. Um, you notice how quickly he ran away when I picked up the darts? I'm a little bit offended. I don't want to get hit, boys. He's like... watched Facebook Live. Before. <laughs> he knows. Um, okay. We're not going to run down the poll question at this moment if we um, if we have a little bit. Actually, you know what, Dylan? Just quickly read it out one more time. We'll give the results at the end of the show as uh, we uh, we prepare to bring on Doug Bodger. All right, folks. The stick in ring poll question is straight up: Who will win the NHL offseason? The options are the Vancouver Canucks, Arizona Coyotes, Dallas Stars, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Vancouver still ahead at sixty percent. Wow, great stuff. So not only do we fit. A little reminder of the poll question. We fit some globe darting in. There's still time to call us. There'll be around five to seven minutes left of Stick and Rink Radio after uh, Doug Bodger speaks with us here live on the CHLY 101.7 FM airwaves. If you want to give us a call, 1-855-740-1017. We want your calls, ladies and gentlemen. We've been going three hours. No one wants any Canucks prizes. I've been dangling those Tim Hortons gift cards, Lyndon. No oh, one's be no one's biting. That's why I'm here, boys. One <laughs> one person who would bite if I dangled uh, those gift cards is Doug Bodger. All right, everybody. We have a former WHL stud defenseman, ninth overall pick in the 1984 entry draft, who made a name for himself with five consecutive playoff appearances during his time with the Buffalo Sabres. Now he's an assistant coach for the Victoria Royals. It is an absolute pleasure to introduce fellow Vancouver Islander, local hockey legend, Mr. Doug Bodger. Welcome to the Stick Rink Podcast. 
Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Um, so how are you enjoying your summer, sir? I know you're far removed from the days of you know letting loose, for lack of a better term, post-hockey season, but our friend uh, The Moj at TSN reminds us and the listeners often that no one enjoys summers better than Mr. Doug Bodger, even today. <laughs> yeah, I, I really do. Uh, I enjoy Christmas and summers. That's my favorite times. Uh, um, you know, just back in the day, it was, it was always a long season and you're, you're traveling and it's just so good to just kick back, relax, get outside, do some stuff outside. And uh, I played in Buffalo for eight years, and, and there's a lot of inside time in Buffalo if you've never been there. So uh, it gets pretty cold in the winter. So it was, it's just nice if it was kicked back in the summer and take it easy and enjoy all the surroundings of beautiful Vancouver. Well, I was just going to say, you, you sound like an Islander at heart right off the bat. Um, again, thank you for your time. Let, let's jump right into it. Um, by developing through British Columbia and Vancouver Island hockey yourself um, and now helping out develop those players on the island and in the BCHL and WHL and even the VIJHL to a lesser degree. How has the road to becoming a professional or at the very least say a collegiate hockey player evolved um, coming from Vancouver Island from your time uh, from a prospect to now the present day? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a process for sure. Um, um, it's it's difficult. Um, there's so many players now. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you you, you got to be talented. Obviously, you got to be have some luck and you got to have some skill. And um, um, it, it's really hard to describe. But um, um, coaching is is one thing. You see certain guys and you can help them out any way you can. And uh, there's so many. And I think the biggest thing is mentally is uh, the biggest challenge for for you know pro guys and and junior guys and uh, uh, the mental side is is the biggest part of the game that uh, like a lot of these kids have to understand. You came into the NHL. Let, let's you know continue on with your story here before we talk about your coaching um, today. But you came into the NHL with. You know, the legend Mario Lemieux. Now, I don't think people understand just how amazing an experience that must have been for you as a professional hockey player upon further reflection uh, to both live the dream of playing the National Hockey League and, you know, playing with a budding legend at the time. Though your team was unsuccessful coming up with the Pittsburgh Penguins the first four years upon being drafted, I mean, describe playing with those guys, you know, Lemieux and, and other guys on the team. And um, did you know he would maybe challenge Gretzky as best in the game as far as comparison-wise and numbers? It's funny because, you know, of course, he was the first pick overall that year, and I was going to be the ninth pick, and, and I was uh, kind of just in the background. All the attention was on Mario. Uh, you know, training camp, um, he he was really not interested in practicing or working very hard, and I could, be, I could hear the old veteran guys going, oh, look at our first pick. Like, oh, this guy's terrible. And then the first shift, he went around Ray Bork and beat Pete Peters and scored on his first shift in the National Hockey League, and everybody went, oh, he's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> so quite the legendary player. And, you know, I got a lot of points from him. I just passed him the puck. Uh, so talented. His, his mind was so good. Um, at the time, you know, we, we didn't know, but when he went to the Canada Cup, and played with those guys. I can't remember the year it was, but uh, it was early 80s, 86, I think, or 85, probably it was 86. He went with those guys in that Canada Cup and he learned how to play. He he came back and he was on a mission. He was back checking. He was a different guy, and uh, which obviously, you know, be hanging around Gretzky and Messier and all those guys really taught him how to become an NHL player. And 
he took off from there. Um, and just before before we move on and, and following uh, the story of your career, Doug, I mean, my dad, he, he's first and foremost a soccer guy, but, you know, throughout the 80s and 90s, he, he followed the National Hockey League, and he is very firm in his argument to me anyways that if Mario had stayed healthy and played the amount of games that Wayne Gretzky had played, that he could have matched or surpassed his points. From someone who played with him and from a former National Hockey League player, I just wanted to get your opinion on that take. Yeah, that that's, that could have been true. You never know. I guess you know, hindsight is whatever. But uh, um, I, I, you know, playing against them both and playing with them with uh, Mario, um, Mario could do it by himself. Like he was a guy that could be a big D one on one. He could, he, he actually for a big guy, he could skate pretty well. It didn't look like he was skating that fast, but he could actually, you know, he's pretty good on his feet. Um, Gretzky needed his wingers. He needed Curry, he needed Anderson, Messier, and, and Coffey. And I think those guys made him better. But I think Mario, he made guys score 40 goals that nobody ever heard of. So uh, that just tells you the talent that he was. And I, I've, you know, throughout my whole career, I don't think I've ever seen a guy that good. So uh, wow. there you go. It puts, you on, it, puts, it puts him on the stand for me for sure. I mean, wherever my dad is listening to this now, he's he's nodding his head, going, "I told you." So. <laughs> um, you're going to hear from that one. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, <laughs> you were moved to Buffalo after four seasons upon playing with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and you can speak to what facilitated that uh, as well, if you please. But you were you're moved to a team that did not lack star power while you played with them. I mean, Dave Anderchuk, Phil Housley, Pierre Turgeon, Pat Lafontaine, Tony Tanti, to name a few. But the player I think all of us here in the Canucks market and, and fans of our show want to hear about in particular was Alex Mogilny. Um, what was he like in the room as a young man? Did he share any crazy stories from his journey to North America and defecting from Russia? And ultimately, where is he among the greatest ever to play the game in your mind? Uh Alex, right up there for one. Um, what a great guy. Um, uh, he was very shy, hated the media. Um, used his, I don't understand English very well, but he was perfectly good on English. But <laughs> to look back on uh, what he did and defected from his country, he didn't. He wasn't sure if he was going to see his parents in home. Um, as an 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid, uh, it was something he started the revolution of the Russians coming over and uh, he that year he scored 76 he could not miss he was so good he was so talented um, super good guy great teammate um, you know him with LaFontaine and Anderchuk you know so, some of the greatest players you know it was an honor to play with them uh, you know I got to play the power play with those guys with Housley and and, and the Pavley had moved on for Howard Chuck and Andrew Chuck and LaFontaine and Mogilny. Uh, it was the best power play in, in his, one of the, you know, history, I think. Um, we, we, you know, we, we could do it all. But uh, Alex was uh, a phenomenal skater, you know, strong, uh, great player. And, uh, and one of the top and out of the Hall of Fame, which is uh, uh, obviously, or he, I think he's up to the Hall of Fame. He should be in there for sure because... Uh, very talented guy, but like I said, media and public, a very shy guy and didn't want the attention as much, and people took that the wrong way, but uh, super nice guy. Yeah, and late in his career, I mean, 
people in the Vancouver media market who covered him playing for the Canucks kind of mentioned the same thing. Like you said, I don't know why he's not in the Hall of Fame uh, yet, but he surely will be soon. Um, quickly back to your move to, to Buffalo. What what facilita facilitated that trade um, out of Pittsburgh? I know there were some budding stars on that team, yourself included, but four years of unsuccessful play on the ice, did that have something to do with it? Um, they needed a goaltender for sure. You know, you could see what was happening. Uh, Pittsburgh, they're drafting. They wanted to go with the young guys. Um, my second year, uh, I heard a rumor I was going to Edmonton for Andy Moog. And they went, oh, my God, because Paul Coffey was having contract troubles and they were looking for a defenseman. Uh, I played for the Campbell's Junior Oilers, so I was scouted heavily by Edmonton all the time. And I heard a rumor I was going to... Uh, to uh, Edmonton and uh, Eddie Johnson was the GM and he said no I'm sticking with you we're going to rebuild here I'm sticking with my young guys and he uh, ended up keeping me and then eventually Eddie got out and I got traded for uh, Tom Barrasso so uh, they needed a goaltender bad that was the thing uh, and um, that obviously helped them you know win the cup so uh, I think Barrasso was a big time Buffalo had Poopa and Barrasso and they needed to get rid of one of them and uh uh, ended up being Barrasso for me, so uh, I actually helped him uh, get to the cup, so I had something to do with it, which is good. <laughs> there's there's one positive way to look at it there, Doug. Yeah, one positive way to look at it for sure. <laughs> Folks, we're joined by assistant coach of the Victoria Royals of the WHL and former National Hockey League star defenseman from Vancouver Island, Doug Baud. Just a few more questions here, Doug. Uh, how special was it to play on a team where players hit various milestones all season? Your 1,000th game included with the likes of fellow Islander Russ Cortnell, among others, on that 1998-99 LA Kings team. Yeah, it was pretty special. Uh, we, you know, I, I didn't never, you know, growing up in Shermanus, there's no way I ever thought I was going to play a thousand games in the National Hockey League, but uh, it worked out. And uh, um, yeah, it was it was that year we were in LA. It was uh, four of us in a thousand games: Ray Ferrero, Russ Cortnell, Gary Galley, and myself. And uh, and we thought that. Um, you know, it's something pretty special, and we think this is going to happen. This is going to happen. But funny story, there we were in, in uh, Carolina, and they were playing in Rally back then. I think at the old rink, and, and uh, it was Manny Legacy's first game in the National Hockey League, and he won. And it was my 1,000. So I, wow. I said, "You take the puck. You you take it. It's your first win as a goal. You got to keep this." You know. And he said, "No, no, you should have it." I go. Hey, I'll get another one. Don't worry about it. They all see the NHL on them. So, uh, wow. So, it's a pretty funny story. Um, did you always, well, let's move on to your coaching career now, Doug. I mean, thanks for sharing that story. That was, that was awesome. Uh, did you always yeah. know you, you were going to coach after, you know, you, you left the National Hockey League? I, I know the Royals, um, guys, this year overachieved in the eyes of the fans. I mean, the likes of DJ Jerome taking advantage of his extra opportunity, helped this team make the playoffs, and that was truly outstanding. But tell us about your transition to coaching, you know, starting with the BCHL, a small stint, Bantam Prep School before, you know, concluding with your role that is today assistant coach of victoria royals um mining the defense if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah um I, you know i never ever thought it would be a coach i really didn't like a lot of coaches <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so i go there's no way i'm gonna do this but uh i started out you know i, you know, I moved back to my hometown shamana duncan area Coucher valley and i thought that uh that uh, i would uh you know uh maybe get into it so they asked me to help out with the defense and uh i said yeah sure i'll take a take take a run at it greg adams was coaching and 
I, I got in there and helped out a bit and I ended up doing a few years in there and um, I quit for a few years. I, t- I took a break from it and just went away from it. Then again, uh, a few years back, uh, Dave Lowry was the head coach in Victoria and I uh, went to see him and I said, hey, I'm not doing anything. I'm interested in helping you out. And he said, can you start tomorrow? So um, I said, okay, yeah, sure. So um, that's where it started and you know, learning all the time, the game's changed so much with video, and, and uh, so I'm I'm learning a lot again. I know the game. I, I just got to learn how to teach it, and that's my biggest thing. And um, enjoy. I think the kids enjoy it. I'm a very positive guy. I, they get down. I go, hey, you can still gotta play the game, and uh, I, I stay on top of them all the time. And it's been fun. Yeah, it's so uh, we'll see what what happens, and we'll keep going with this. And, uh, you know, you, you leave the game, you're bitter at hockey. When you retire, you get traded so much. You go from team to team to team, and you go, I hate hockey, and I don't want to try to do this anymore. And then you come back to it, and you realize that uh, that's the one thing you know a lot about. You just say, hey, you know what? This is what I know, and uh, I'm going to stay in the game. So uh, that's why I ended up going back there. Doug, you're a humble man in regards to your National Hockey League playing career and your your coaching because you know since you joined the Royals, it's been it's been truly outstanding and congratulations on all the recent success. Again, like like I mentioned, uh, just while asking this questions, I, I don't think a lot of people thought the Royals would uh, would play as well as they did this year. To be perfectly frank, with some of the the players that went on to pro last season, I mentioned the names of you know DJ Jerome getting more of of an opportunity and really uh, basking in that. So again, congratulations. Uh, final question here before uh, we let you get back to your uh, summer vacation. <laughs> what <laughs> What is the story involving your final games in the National Hockey League? 13 games with the Vancouver Canucks before hanging up the skates. Was it simply um, an effort to, to skate with the hometown team before retiring or was there a significant injury or, or incident behind the scenes that influenced your final decision? Well, I kind of grew up watching the Canucks, you know, and, and growing up in the area, you know, watching the run and uh, the Canucks in 82, you know, uh, we always watched hockey and Vancouver was there. And uh, um, when I got drafted, ninth overall, 84, Vancouver had 10th pick. Oh. And my old coach, Bill LaForge, was there. So it was either Pittsburgh or Vancouver. So it was all close to home. And, you know, I, um, I, I wasn't going to play after L.A. I, I was done. I'm, I'm Mentally, I was finished and uh, got a call from my agent said, Vancouver's interested in signing you. And I said, you know what? Yeah, let's let's do it. I'd, I'd love to go to Vancouver. I grew up watching it. The team wasn't very good. Uh, uh, but uh, I gave it a shot. But mentally, my head was not in the game. And uh, um, Mark Crawford was the coach, and we didn't get along too great. But uh, um, uh I'm pretty sure I could have stuck it out. Maybe bad attitude at the time. I should have. I should have been better at my attitude. But uh, uh, just it was just time, and uh, I just I just had enough and mentally, and needed needed something to do something different for a while. But uh, um, looking back now, I probably should have stuck it out. I probably could have played three or four more years. I was. Uh, I really wasn't injured, or I was. I was healthy. So um, I just, you know, said this is enough. It's, you know, nobody played that many games back in the day, especially D-man. There was not a lot of D-man that played over a thousand games. So, so I, I just said, you know, you're not supposed to play this long. So <laughs> I just said that's enough. And now guys are playing. They're like, which are going to be 44. So uh, it's great on those guys. Obviously, they keep in shape and they, they, they take care of themselves a lot better than we used to. But. Uh, 
all good. It was no regrets. And uh, when I retired, I, I, you know, I see these guys crying on TV, upset, and I'm going, you know, what? I'm happy today. I, I achieved what I wanted to achieve, and I did it. And it's, it's a celebration. It's not sad. <laughs> so uh, I was uh, very happy and you know very blessed that I could uh, spend 15 years in the league and. And being a kid from Shumanis, I didn't think that was ever going to happen. So it was very look back on it and go, wow, unbelievable. Amazing stuff, Doug. And and Mr. Bodger, I could ask you questions about your, your playing days and coaching career all day, but we'll leave it at that oh, right now. We got all, yeah, you, we could do an hour show for sure. Oh, absolutely. So, so honestly, <laughs> way more stories. Well, you know what, then? Uh, I have your number. I'll definitely bring you back on the show again soon. Thank you for making, us, making for some sure. time for us today on Stick and Rink. Enjoy the rest of the summer. And, and like I said, if you got more stories to tell, we'll definitely catch up soon, sir. Yeah, let me know anytime. That'd be fun. Brother. Brother. All right. Uh, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, grandparents of all, uh, we we got we got a mosey. We got like three more minutes, so we got to get the hell out of this studio here. So Get out of Dodge. Quickly, what's the result of the poll question, Dylan? The poll question, the stick and ring poll question, who will win the NHL offseason? The Vancouver Canucks have taken this one at 63%. I don't believe it. Followed by the Arizona Coyotes at 16%, the Maple Leafs at 14%, and the Dallas Stars at 7%. There's your Stick and Ring poll question. At Stick and Ring Pod, we also got the names of the game. I'm a little hockey fan. Got some little hockey fans in studio here. Thanks, Lyndon Wood, for coming aboard. Uh, Show note, final dates of the live CHLY show this summer are as follows. Uh, July 14th, or this is July 14th, July 28th. Three hours again, so book it. Uh, quickly, we got a caller, the only caller, Sh- Shane, you are on the Stick He's and also a little Rick, hockey fan. Stick and Rink <laughs> radio show. You have literally 30 seconds to give us something, bud. Okay, I just want to say, you guys are sitting there with the best fan wannabe, but the best fan wannabe is Lyndon Wood. I'm the best fan. Oh, drop <laughs> Mike. What? Wow. 1v1 me, buddy. 1v1 me. Stunned in the studio. That's for you, Shane. I'm heartbroken, boys. That hurts. Shane, we'll take your question uh, on Twitter, uh, Stick Ring Podcast, and uh, July 28th on uh, Stick Ring Radio Show. Okay, quickly, where can they find the host, Dylan? You can follow Isha at VI Sports Talk. You can follow myself at DYL underscore THPN. That stands for the Hockey Podcast Network. Yes, it does. You can follow Producer T at Producer underscore T. E E Lyndon, where the, where can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at Twitter BC underscore Wood thirteen. There you have it, folks. There you have it. Um, I don't know where Produce T is. Hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll trail. be here for the finale, folks. Uh, again, follow us at Stick Ring Pod on Twitter. You can follow the station at C H L Y one zero one seven F M. Uh, we're on Instagram. Dylan was uh, having a little fun with that today. We're on Facebook. Um, we're on iTunes. Please rate and review. Check us out on Patreon. Signing off, I'm Isha, alongside Dylan and Lyndon Wood from the hood, the Tyler Sagan lookalike. How is it going, guys? How you doing, guys? Folks, until July 28th, the finale! Keep your eyes on the prize and stick in the ring. Brother. Tremendous. Playing hockey my whole life, I never f***ing signed no one's dick, man.